Take your Bibles, if you will, and be turning to Acts chapter 2. Just go through the New Testament, the Gospels there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then find Acts chapter 2. While you're turning there, you know, sometimes we make mistakes and we're embarrassed about them. Sometimes we make mistakes and they turn out all right. And I don't know about you, but especially when I was a kid, when something happened and it turned out real good, I'd say, I meant to do that. Okay? Maybe you did too, okay? Then when something didn't go the way I had hoped it to, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Later on, I, I got, uh, got shooting pool. I enjoy shooting pool billiards, and uh, uh, it helped to supplement my college education. But, <laughs> you know, in shooting pool, uh, you know, you, you need to call your shots, okay? So if you're planning on putting the seven ball in the corner pocket, you call it before you make your shot. If you just shoot and it falls in there, it don't help to say, well, I meant to do that, okay? You have to be intentional. You have to call your shots ahead of time, okay? That was important. And, and what I learned there is that, you know, when you call your shots, you're being responsible. You're taking responsibility for what you're about to do. And you're choosing to be intentional with what you're doing. I think it's important when it comes to church that we don't do church by accident. I think we need to do church intentionally. I think we need to do church on purpose. I think we need to do our Christian lives that way. We need to do it purposefully, intentionally, not just accidentally. You know, to be honest with you, uh, during a lot of my tenure here and a lot of my predecessor, Brother Danny's tenure here as well, we had some great growth in our church family, but a lot of it was because our community was growing like crazy. We had people, the building boon was going on and people were around and, and there were some individuals and some classes that really went after people. But for the most part, and he and I have talked about this, we just weren't real purposeful. We weren't real intentional about seeking to find people who were lost and bringing them to faith in Christ. It happened, and God blessed. But only until recent months have we begun to really get intentional about doing church. And this is something that's really been on my heart. It's really been on my mind. Derek and I spent so much time talking and praying about that. And as we have, this passage has come to our attention. And I mean, it's just loaded, loaded, loaded with truth. Acts chapter 2. I hope you've already turned there. I should have turned there in mind already. And I want to start reading, if I can, with verse 40, okay? Now, what all is going on is uh, the Holy Spirit has just come in such a powerful way. And Peter's just preaching. And thousands of people are coming to faith in Christ. But I want you to see how this is all summed up, beginning with verse 40. Will you find that and read along there with me? And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayers. And then fear came upon every soul. And that fear is not shaking in fear. It's reverence, awe, respect, worship. Okay? Fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had a need. 
So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Out of this passage, there are five things that the early church did purposefully, did it intentionally, not accidentally. They did this with plan, they did this with strategy, and God blessed in the process. Here are the things that you see right here. Evangelism, verse 41 says that 3,000 souls were added in that day. Look down at 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's, that's discipleship. And breaking of bread and prayers, that's fellowship. And again, they had all things in common. That's fellowship as well. And then they met the needs of all, any of them who had need. That's ministry that grows out of fellowship. And they had fear of God and were praising God. That's worship. These five things, evangelism, discipleship, ministry, fellowship, and worship. These were the five pillars upon which the early church grew. Now, I don't want you to just look back at that and say, well, here's what's done historically. It's time for us to let that history become a part of our reality even today. I think if we continue to make those things the intentional target of our lives and of our church, of our families and our classes, God will continue to bless mightily and Richly. So today, I want to talk about intentional evangelism. Intentional evangelism, okay? I, I read a story here a while back about a man who <clears throat> was accused of some wrongdoing, and he had to appear before the judge. And so when the judge asked him if he had an attorney, the man said, no, I can't afford one. And the judge says, well, don't worry. I'll appoint one for you, and I'll be sure to get a real good lawyer. And then the man said, well, judge... I don't really need a real good lawyer, but I'll tell you what I could use. I could use a couple of real good witnesses. God doesn't need good lawyers to argue people into the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't need lawyers, but he could sure use some good witnesses who didn't mind sharing, here is how God's grace has come into my life. Here is how my life has been transformed because I have come to know who Jesus Christ is. And he's looking for some few good witnesses even today. I read a study by Wynn Arn. It's about eight years old right now, but I think it's probably still true today. A thousand evangelical churches were asked the question, why does the church exist? 89%, did you get that? Almost 9 out of 10. 89% that the church's purpose is to take care of me and my family's needs. 9 out of 10. Only 11% said the purpose of the church was to win people to faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, we got a problem. If 9 out of 10 people in our churches think the church exists for them and to make them feel good and provide them with good opportunities to do this, that, or the other, boy, have we missed the boat of what the Bible says. It's not going to happen unless we do this on purpose, my friends. The purpose of our church is to align ourselves with the purpose of Jesus Christ. So we need to ask, what's his purpose? And we find that, especially in the second chapter of Acts. We find it all through the Bible. We find it especially here in the second chapter of Acts. Doing what God has called us to do intentionally. Mark 1 says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom 
and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. He came intentionally. He came purposefully. He came physically. He came verbally. He came passionately. But he came intentionally. I want you to hold on to that specifically. Acts 14, 15 says, men, why, why are you doing these things? We're also men just like you are. But we preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and all the things that are in them. Intentional. Confronting people. Talking to people. This is what I want to talk about. Now when I say evangelism, I want you to understand what I mean. Evangelism is the intentional act of sharing the gospel with somebody who's lost. Let me say that again because I want you to that emblazoned in your brain, okay? Evangelism is the intentional act of sharing the gospel with someone who does not know Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about evangelism, we're talking about that. Now, we do that corporately when we, when we sing up here, when we pray and when we give. We're, we're doing that in a corporate manner. And that's good. That's part of what the church did. They did that together corporately. But they, they did it corporately because they'd already done it individually. Already individually, they had been talking to their friends and their neighbors, and they had been impacting the lives of other people. And people saw the transformation in their lives and were saying, well, what's happened to you? He said, well, come and let me tell you about somebody that you don't know. Evangelism is the intentional act of sharing the good news with somebody who's lost. Now, there's three ways that's spoken of right here that we need to do that. All right? So follow with me. First of all, I want to talk about evangelism happens when we speak intentionally. That's in your notes. When we speak intentionally. Evangelism is the intentional effort by which we share the gospel with someone verbally, okay, verbally. That is important. Isaiah writes, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings the good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings and good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. There is a spiritual beauty. There is something so incredibly pleasing to God when his children will speak the good news to others, will speak their testimony and say, let me tell you what God's done to my life. Let, let, let me tell you what, what God showed me the other day in his word. Let me tell you how he's helped me out of this situation. When that is spoken, there is something, God sees that beautifully. He sees that as phenomenally. He sees that as, as powerful. Evangelism, that Greek word is euangelizo. And it literally means to announce good news, to proclaim truth. That's what it means. So evangelism is the intentional act of sharing the gospel, first of all, verbally. Is that elsewhere in the Bible, Brother Fred? Yeah, it is. I'm going to have several references from 1 Thessalonians. Thessalonica was a city in desperate need of somebody telling them about Jesus. And so when Paul went there and started this church, God just exploded with these people. And he did so because they were not ashamed, they were not afraid to speak the gospel to their friends. And some great things happened in chapter 2 and verse 1. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated in Philippi, that's where they'd gone first, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel, even in much conflict. We were bold to you to speak the gospel. I mean, they had, they had been 
badly treated in Philippi for doing this. And the next town they came to was Thessalonica. And did they back off? No. They didn't back off at all. Later in verse 13, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the very word of God, which works in you to change your life. These men spoke, and because they spoke faithfully, others believed, and the transformation happened in their lives too. All of our words, all of our words need to be intentional. With it in mind that we're trying to influence people for the Lord. Let me just pause here for a moment. I mentioned this a few weeks ago and so did, so did Derek. We have to be real careful about our idle words, about words that we don't think about. Sometimes about things we, t we say that we wish we hadn't. You know, um, saying something is about like, you know, firing a .30-06 rifle. You just can't reach out there and grab that bullet and bring it back and put it back down the muzzle of that gun. And words we speak cannot be reached out and retrieved very easily either. And so because of that, we've got to be very careful what we say. The, the, the scripture says, you think very carefully about how you speak. You want to speak to build people up. You don't want to speak to be tearing people down. And especially here at this point, we want to be speaking to share the truth of the gospel. Paul's words were not some slick salesman approach, you know, trying to get people to buy into something. That, no, his was from the heart. Let me tell you, I was a persecutor of the Christians. And let me tell you what happened to me. Christ appeared to me on the road to Damascus, blinded me to get my attention. And then once he got my attention, I surrendered my life to him. And I am here to tell you about what happened to him, that he died on the cross to take my sins and yours upon himself. He rose from the grave that you and I might have eternal life. He would not back off the same simple gospel truth. It didn't scare him to understand that this was serious. People that he cared about were not long for this world. People whom he loved, he had no idea how many days they had left, but he did know this, that when our days come to an end, eternity is sealed. Do you know that? When the days of our lives end, our eternity is sealed. And that's just not for old men and old women. That's, that's for people of all ages. And so the time to share the gospel is now. Now, I will tell you this. Saying words is often not enough. Let me say that again because I want you to be sure to hear it. Sometimes saying words by themselves are not enough. There are other things that have to be added to it. That goes into my next two topics. But let me tell you this. Before I tell you these next two, these are not substitutes for verbally speaking the truth. God's not going to let us off the hook, even though he's going to give us other ways. First of all, evangelism. Evangelism is intentionally sharing the gospel with our words. Secondly, evangelism happens when we care intentionally. We care intentionally. Evangelism is the intentional act of sharing the gospel to those who are lost. And we do that by showing them how much we care for them. You've heard that saying and it's absolutely true. People, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And that's absolutely true. You and I have to first clothe the words we're going to say with a caring and intentional caring body. 
you know, here's how we can, and can show and demonstrate our care and concern to you. This is essential. Many times the words we speak just fall on deaf ears if they don't think we really care. If, they, if people think all we're trying to do is, to, is try to, you know, meet a quota, you know, get a certain number of sales or whatever the case may be, they don't want to hear us, and I don't blame them. You shouldn't either. But first demonstrate your genuine care and concern for them. Many times you need to do this before you ever actually get to where you can share the gospel. Let me tell you what's going on. Last week you got to hear Celia Schoen. Oh, I tell you, I fell in love with that young lady. And Celia is giving her the next two years of her life. And she's going to an area where there are less than 1% Christians. In an area that is really negative towards Christianity. But there in that one community is a hospital that was started 100 years ago. And people need that hospital because of all of the things that's wrong with them in that area. And so that hospital is an evangelical Christian hospital. And people will go there because they have problems with their body. They're sick or they need a surgery or, or they're, they're expecting and there's a problem with the baby. They'll go there. And they know when they go there, they're going to hear the gospel. So what is Celia doing? That's where Celia is going. A place where, where very, very, very few people have ever heard the gospel. And how is she going to win a hearing? She's, going to, she's an excellent nurse. And she's going to be using her nursing skills in that hospital and out in the community. So she'll, she'll live out in the community among those who don't believe. But in sharing in the community and helping the community with their needs, community health clinics and working out of that hospital, she is demonstrating a care and concern to those people. And you know what? When she spends hours with somebody trying to help them get well or get over that sickness or whatever, they're going to ask the question, why are you here? She'll be the only white person in hundreds of miles. Why are you here? Why are you doing this? And she can say, I have come to care for you. God has given me a heart and a desire to see that you're physically well to where I can share you how your soul can be made well. See, first, you've got to show you care. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. And that's what Paul did. Again, I go back to, to Thessalonica. Just listen to this passage for a moment. And here's what I want you to know. Tell me how Paul, how Paul demonstrated his real concern for these people. Okay? Just listen. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is our witness. Now we, did, uh, now we did, seek, did not seek glory from men, either from you or from others, that we might make demands upon you as disciples of Christ. But rather, we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and our toil and our laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, 
How devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know we, uh, how we exhorted you and comforted you and charged you as a father does his children. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and into his glory. What are some of the things you heard? He, he was gentle with them as a nursing mother. Affectionate with them. Devoted, justly, blamelessly living before them. How he comforted them and charged them as a father. Do you hear what he did? He went in there loving these people. We're not going to influence people for the kingdom of Christ unless we love them. Unless we care for them. Unless we lead with our heart. Now I know leading with our heart is dangerous. It's dangerous because we can be rejected. It's dangerous because we can be ridiculed. But there's no substitute for it either. Evangelism happens when we care intentionally. Intentionally. James Moore asked this question. Can you recommend your faith in Christ to somebody by the way you treat others? Let that settle in. Can you recommend your faith in Christ to others by the way you treat people? Our lives need to reflect that kind of, of compassion. Last week we shared with you about, oh, excuse me, it, wasn't, it, was, it was with the youth that I was with, sharing with them about the, the Good Samaritan and how the priest and the Levi walked on by. But this, this hated, racially impure individual came by and he was the one to love on that beat up, half dead Jew and care for him. Well, now that man had a reason to trust that Samaritan. Because he had given his love and compassion. Put his heart out there on the string for him. Folks, evangelism happens when we care intentionally. Last thing is this. Evangelism happens when we serve intentionally. Evangelism is the intentional act of sharing the gospel with a person who does not know the Lord. And one way we do that is by serving them. When you truly care and you truly find ways to, to serve people, it's amazing how welcoming they are. Let me tell you about a group in our church some of you may know about, others do not. It's called the Beacon Team. And the Beacon Team, that's like a, a, a lighthouse beacon, all right? They travel around our county and then all over the state and outside of the state in so many different places just helping people. I can't tell you how many ramps they've built in our community here for people who have, have become handicapped and they can't get in and out of their homes. People come up here and, and they buy a home. They love to have a home in the mountains. Not understand that out, uh, mountains means hills and hills mean stairs. And so then they have something to happen to them. Well, our beacon team, one of the things they do is they go out and they'll, they'll build ramps for people to be able to get into their homes. And there are many other things they do too. But what happens so many times, they'll say, you know, well, we're, we're a volunteer organization. There's no charge for what we do, but we'd be glad to help you by building a ramp into your home. Do you know what they ask? Why would you do this? Why would you take a day or two of your precious time? You don't know me. I can't pay you. Why would you do that? And then they have the opportunity to say, God has made this huge difference in my life. And one of the ways I share my love back to him is by serving other people. I hope I can serve you. Maybe you don't know about our disaster relief team that goes out from this church and this, this community. 
Our disaster relief team travels wherever they're needed. They're right behind the Red Cross when they go into some of these areas that have had large disasters, hurricanes or floods or whatever the case may be. And they go in willing to do the dirty work. And probably the dirtiest of work is called mud out. All right, that's when you have to go into a home, it's been flooded maybe up to, to here with water, and you have to take out the sheetrock, you have to take, drag all the furniture out, pull out the, the carpet, everything, you have to take it all out to where it can be inspected and then can be built back. It's, it's a hard, hard work. That's one of the things that our team does. They do mud out. And every time they go out on one of these, these trips, Somewhere in the process of all that sweat and a lot of times blood as well, they're going to be asked, why do you do this? Why have you traveled from where you live in Georgia, come all the way here to Louisiana or South Texas or wherever it is they've been left? Why do you do this? God has made such a difference in my life. He has so changed my heart and filled myself with love. And one of the ways I show my love to Him is loving others. Now let me tell you what, let me tell you what people ask. They want to know who this God is. One of our very own members right now is in the Ukraine. His name is Bob Crow. Bob has a very unique ministry uh, over there. Uh, and part of what he's doing right now, he and his friend Arthur Green, what they're doing right now, is they're helping, training pastors to plant churches. Traveled from the hills of Georgia, halfway across the world to the Ukraine, Train, to train pastors how they can plant churches and start churches. And they're asked by the people in the community, why are you here? We're here to serve you. Why are you want to serve us? Because Jesus came not to be served, but to be a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we're here putting our life on the line for you. And they want to know, tell me about this Jesus. Look, we earn the right to speak the gospel into people's lives. When we show them how much we care, when we're willing to serve them, we have the right then to share the words. See how this works? But the key is intentionality. Let me ask you a question as we draw this together and, and, and time gets real pointed right here. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself. What am I doing intentionally to speak the gospel into somebody else's life? What am I doing intentionally to care and show my care and concern for someone? What am I doing intentionally to serve someone who's lost to where I can share the gospel with? The key word is intentionally. What's your strategy? What's your plan? Okay? What's your plan? Do you have a plan? Do you have a strategy? Well, herein is the problem. You've just been kind of letting life happen. Okay? And if something presents itself, okay, then, then I'll take a deep breath and be bold and jump in there and say something. No, no, I'm asking you, what's your plan? What's your strategy? To get into someone's life. Let me tell you about Dennis. Dennis lives out in our neighborhood. Man's man, tough guy. I just phenomenal fellow. Got laid up with surgery here a while back. His wife has back problems. And so my wife and I were talking. What can we do strategically in our neighborhood out here to, to engage with people? And so 
I went up there and I, I, I told his wife, I said, I'm going to cut you grass. And I'm going to be taking care of all your yard here until your husband gets better. She said, you, you, you just had a heart attack. I said, no, I haven't had a heart attack. I had some heart surgery, but I didn't have a heart attack. And I said, this is part of my therapy, okay? My wife says so. All right, it's part of my therapy. So for, for, for several weeks, what I didn't know is that every time my lawnmower would go by his window, he would peep out and look. And then when he finally got well enough to come out, he said, why are you doing this? Why are you serving me? And I said, it's a plan. Because I want to earn the right to tell you about my Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he's mulling over that right now. He hadn't made that big decision yet, but I think he will. What's your plan? What are you doing intentionally? What's your strategy? If you don't have a strategy, let me tell you something. A, a, a fellow taught me so much about wood, woodworking. I loved to work in his shop. That was the way I, I would get away from all the pressures and I had of life. He had, he had a, a sign that he had engraved up on the wall. And he said this, to fail to plan is to plan to fail. To fail to plan is to plan to fail. What's your plan? What's your strategy? If you have to say before God right now, I don't have one, then this sermon's for you and this series is for you because your church is beginning to do church intentionally. We're ready to stop just doing it by accident and by osmosis. And let's, how can we strategize to find ways to share the gospel with more people? And I need you to be a very real part of that. Will you bow your heads and let's pray together. Father God, I first of all have to confess to you and apologize for doing so much in my life just by accident. Oh, I'm always available and I'm always, you know, uh, here. Anybody wants to come talk to me or what? Yeah. But Lord, until recently, I have not been intentional. I have not been strategic. I haven't had a plan. But Lord, since you started opening my eyes to this, and you've been putting more and more people on my heart, burden for them in their lostness, praying for them, and then looking for opportunities to serve them, to share that how much I care, and to speak the truth into their lives. Oh, Holy Spirit, what you're doing. What revival, what amazement, what awe, what wonder. Now, Lord, you're, you're calling me and you're calling Derek to call your people to be intentional. We can't keep on doing business as usual. Can't keep on singing songs as usual. Can't keep on giving as usual. Time's getting close. It's time to have a plan. So, Father, right now, here, here's, here's what I'm asking you, Holy Spirit. Will you put it on the, on the heart of every person here today? Just this question. What's your plan? And Father, if we don't have a plan, and we're brokenhearted and be embarrassed before you that we don't have a plan, then right now we want to confess that to you. We want to confess that to you. And not only confess it, we want to repent of that. We want to change that right now. 
we want to pledge to you, Lord. You guide us. You, you actively work with our imagination. And we're going to find a plan. I, I'm not going to be caught like I have been this morning again, unprepared when the preacher walks in. God, give me a plan. Some, Lord, may want to come to the altar right now in these next few moments and just pray. Oh, God, forgive me. Forgive me for not having a plan. Forgive me for just going through life. Lord, I, I want to be more intentional about sharing my faith. I want to be more intentional about praying for lost people. Oh, God. Others may want to come and join our fellowship now. Maybe they found a place here that they feel like they can be at home and among people who care for one another and love you. Others may have, they may have made their decision themselves even today that they want you to be the boss, the king, the ruler of their life. And they want to come publicly and profess that for everybody to know. Will you encourage them to come? Lord, the altar's open. I'm right here. For people who want to come and pray, for people who want to join our fellowship, or publicly to share their faith, this is your time, Holy Spirit. Be exalted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.